that they are either entirely inscrutable, or perhaps worse, they read almost as if they are fables, with characters who are easily understood stand-ins for various principles, and an easily packaged moral of the story. Except that the easy moral is at best incomplete or wrong. The parable in this week's gospel is the second kind. Everything in the way this story is told sets us up to take sides. But don't take the bait. It's a trap. The setup starts with Luke's introduction. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I'm all, okay, I got it. If I insert myself in the gospel right now, I'm just a knowing observer, not the intended audience. And then Jesus gives us a character who is so easy to dislike. We've got a Pharisee who is A, a major overachiever. I mean, fasting twice a week? And B, praise about how he's better than everyone else, including that tax collector, which, who does that? The tax collector is right over there. He can probably hear you. Jerk. So then we immediately move our sympathies to the tax collector, who is standing within the temple grounds, but kind of on the edges of things head bowed, afraid to lift his eyes heavenward, asking for God to have mercy on him, a sinner. And then Jesus tells us that both the Pharisee and the tax collector go home, and that the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, is justified in the eyes of God. And let me just tell you, I am so eager to tie a bow on this story right now. Self-righteousness, bad. Contrition, good. The end. <laughs> 
But if we just stop there, what part of that is making God's kingdom appear on earth? Notice that Jesus doesn't breathe a word about whether the tax collector begins some kind of amendment of life. And let's be real, he probably needs it. There's a reason that the Pharisee holds him in contempt. It's not like the tax collector works for the IRS, where as much as we like to grumble about taxes, we generally would agree that working there is an honorable profession. Remember that at this time, Israel is not self-governing, but is occupied by the Romans. Jewish tax collectors like this one in the temple are regarded as collaborators with the oppressing enemy. And on top of that, have a reputation for being no better than thieves because they habitually extort the people from whom they collect taxes in order to line their own pockets. It's not for nothing that elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus tells tax collectors not to take any more than they are owed. So here's this parable. A Pharisee whose religious practice is commendable, but who needs some serious help in the humility and human relations departments, and a tax collector who is at best a collaborator with an unjust system, and is at worst an extortionist, who at least recognizes, though, that he needs God's grace. Where do you draw the lines in this gospel? Which side do you want to be on? Now these two men, they come into the temple at the same time. They pray at the same time. And they go home at the same time. It's not that different from a Sunday at All Saints, right? And what this parable is warning us is that if we, within Christian community, draw lines between ourselves and others, as biblical scholar David Luce writes, we're going to keep finding God on the other side. As part of the same community, the Pharisee and the tax collector need each other. The tax collector is a warning to those too confident that their own actions earn them God's favor. For while the Pharisee is confident today in his right actions, generous giving, which is an expectation of the faith, routine fasting, which is above and beyond, by the way, and worship and prayer, he may find himself unready on the day the other shoe drops, whether through his own inevitable sin or just the chances of life. On that day, he will look to the tax collector and see that he was leaning upon God's grace all along. And the tax collector needs the Pharisee. You see, for all his faults, 
we see in the Pharisee an example of self-giving. The Pharisee gives a tenth of his income away. And this is important, not just because this is the standard that our faith sets for giving, though it is, but also because money is as good a representation as any for the choices that you have. What food to eat, what clothes to buy, which candidate to support, which bills and debts to pay. And when you give money away, you give those choices away too. And in the Pharisee's case, that's a really good thing because left to his own devices, if he had his way, I'd say this guy wouldn't be too inclined to let thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even this tax collector into the temple at all. For all his pompous self-righteousness, this Pharisee, through his action, has created room for the tax collector to seek God's grace and with God's help, find newness of life. And so here we are at All Saints this morning, at the beginning of another pledge campaign. A time to renew our commitments with our money and our choices to the God who justifies us, whatever our failings, and the community who supports us as we make our way to be more like Christ every day and show the world what the kingdom of God looks like. Do you remember the first time you came here? Do you remember where you sat? Do you remember the people who created space for you to be here? Do you remember the people you could never really get along with and maybe still don't? That's the church, friends. And beautiful things happen here. Just yesterday, the All Saints community accompanied two couples as they began married life together. This year we have sent two beloved friends off with spectacular funerals that can do nothing other than tell the angels and God to pay attention to these souls that we send them. This year we have welcomed a family from Syria who for many years have known nothing but war and refugee camps and whose children had never been to school. This is a tremendous community of love and faith and we are proving again this morning that it's going to take a lot more than an organ that randomly doesn't work to silence our voices in joy and praising God. The point of this parable is not to decide whether we're the Pharisee or the tax collector, the humbled or the exalted, the sinner or the saint, but that we are all in some measure a bit of both in amounts that vary by the day. And while it may seem impolite 
for Jesus to give us a parable that's a trap to his followers even 2,000 years down the line? Jesus has also given us the grace to unsnare ourselves by tearing down the walls that divide us so that we may be one even as he and the Father are one. And that means giving ourselves to God and to each other, sharing our prayers, our worship, our love, and yeah, our money too. So that the church as the body of Christ can choose to love those that maybe each of us wouldn't personally. Making all saints day by day, with God's help, that much more like the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe in one God, the Father.